the end zone, and it is caught. Adolf here. Chubb. Down inside. The silent count. He bails out of the pocket there. And oh, Josh Hallers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you consumable dynasty perspective. He's Skyler. I'm Wyatt. We're back again. War free agency, although it's been a little bit slower. It's finally started to slow down a little bit, so this will probably be back to our little shorter format episodes. Let's jump right into it. The big news from this past week, Tyreek Hill traded to the Dolphins. The Dolphins received Tyreek Hill, who they then signed to a new extension of four years and $120 million. The Chiefs received a first, a second, two-fourths, and a sixth. Skyler, talk to me. What's this mean for Tyreek Hill? Yeah, um, for Tyreek Hill, I think it's a very telling season without Patrick Mahomes. I think losing him for your, his dynasty value, um, given he's at that that 28 years old kind of range, is, is probably pretty significant for me. Um I, I'd be hesitant to sell him, but it does move him down quite a bit in my rankings from the second tier of players like old and productive where I had like Cooper Cup, him, and then Devontae Adams. I moved him, I dropped him behind um, some younger guys like C.D. Lamb, Jalen Waddell, uh, Deontay Johnson. So I moved him from wide receiver six down to wide receiver 11. So it is a hit for me um, for Tyreek Hill. Uh, for Juju though, I think... That's the big name here that's climbed for me as a result of this trade. I had him around wide receiver 40 next to like Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, uh, Chase Claypool. And for me, it puts him above those guys, closer to where I have like Brandon Ayuk, Darnell Mooney, uh, Hollywood Brown, just based off volume. I mean, if you're, um, the, I mean, he's, he's the slot guy, clear slot guy without Tyree Kill there now for Patrick Mahomes and really no one threatening to take away that volume. And we've seen Juju with volume and with an elite option drawing some of the attention. It was Tony Brown before, now it's Travis Kelsey. He, he flourished. So I think it's a it's a big season to bank on, on Juju. I might be a little more hesitant to go out and trade for Juju, just given the manager knows the news. But if you have him, it's definitely yeah. a big bump. If you, if you don't believe in him, it's a time definitely maybe to move him at a premium. Uh, maybe more of exciting for a, a stab at him for redraft. But he's definitely uh, the winner of this trade for me. It doesn't change uh, anything really for Jalen Waddle. Actually, I sat there and had to decide would I rather have Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill. I was on the clock in a startup draft right. uh, back of the third, and I'm like, I can't think of a reason to really take Tyreek over Jalen Waddle. Just, just based the age gap between them, their usage. Uh, there's yeah. a non-zero chance that Waddle sees more targets and is more consistent than Tyreek Hill, despite maybe not having the same high-end weeks that Tyreek has in his career. So for that reason, I'm keeping Waddle right where I had him around wide receiver eight, and I prefer him to Tyreek Hill straight up. Yeah, I think I think I still side that I think Tyreek Hill will be the more productive player for the Dolphins uh, right off the bat. It's a big investment to make in a player. I would think that that means that they're going to make him the number one receiver over Waddle. But that doesn't mean that Waddle's going to suffer necessarily. Uh, I think, you know, that, that offense, especially with Mike McDaniel at the helm now, can be creative enough to get the ball in their hands. I, I was talking this with someone else uh, the other day that, what did they do in San Francisco? They get the ball in the hands of their playmakers and they do it a lot, right? As much as they can. They did it better than most teams try to. It's a simple formula, right? But like not all teams are able to do it so well, uh, but they were able to do that in San Francisco with Debo and Kittle, Ayuk. So you'd think 
Waddle, Hill, obviously the best playmakers on that team. They're probably going to get the ball to both of them a lot and often as much as they can. Um, but yeah, with the Chiefs, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with that offense. They also signed, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, to be the deep threat on the team. I'm not sure that really matters too much for us. He's probably just there to take the top off of defenses, uh, without Tyreek Hill there. Michael Hardman's still there, but he's always been a disappointment, really. What's he gonna do? Uh if we're expecting Juju to stay in the slot uh with, with the Chiefs, I think it makes sense. He's working in the middle of the field. Travis Kelsey works in the middle of the field a lot. Do they interfere with each other at all? I'm not sure. I I'm really interested to see what that offense is gonna look like. Yeah. Uh let me ask you about uh two attack of Aloa. This is bump him up significantly in your rankings because this is a make or break year for him. Uh, they have supported him. You can't come out and say that they haven't put two in a a position to succeed. They brought in an offensive-minded, uh, creative coach, you know, with McDaniel, and they're bringing in weapons, dynamic weapons like Tyreek Kill, uh, alongside Jalen Waddle last year. So, what does it mean for Tua for you? It didn't actually change things for me for Tua, but I think I was probably a little bit ahead to begin with. He was my QB sixteen before this happened. I just I kept him there. He's still behind like the tier of Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Jalen Hurts, those guys. For me, um, I kind of always expected them to continue to add firepower weapons for for Tua. I thought Tua was honestly pretty good last year um, with Mike McDaniel there. I was I was already kind of excited for Tua, so it it kind of just confirmed what I was hoping was going to happen for them. I mean, I didn't wasn't expecting Tyreek Hill or anything like that, you know. But uh, I, I I was already kind of projecting a little bit of a jump up for him, anyways. Yeah, um, I I like that. You know, after the season, we can be a little more definitive where it takes on Tua. Like I, I hear so much slander for him and say he's he's no good. I wouldn't take him even if they were trying to move him. It's like how can you definitively come to that statement? It's a it's a quarterback who was of the fifth overall pick. He was highly coveted throughout college. He came in off a hip injury, which takes a hot minute to 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 work back in off of. Um, they weren't sure with their team identity if they want to roll the vet, give him more time. Everything has been confusing, and he hasn't been the healthiest even last year. Right. But when he played, he won like nine games in a row. Right. For fantasy, that might not be uh, the biggest thing. But for job security, he won not like eight, eight games in a row last year, nine games in a row last year. I don't know how you could right. be that disappointed with Tua um, at this point, at least, or concre- concretely say he's a bum or anything like that. Yeah. It's unfortunate. He'll always be judged against uh, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert being in the draft class with them. And, you know, those guys were superstars from the best prospects. I mean, Burrow, we knew was going to be really good. He was one of the better prospects we've seen in a while. Herbert had had all the tools, but we weren't sure he would put it together when he came to the NFL. And boy, did he ever. So he's always going to be compared to those guys. And that's just unfortunate for him because I still think, too, is a good quarterback. Moving on, the next big piece of news from the last week was Leonard Fournette re-signing with the Buccaneers. Three years, $21 million. And this in conjunction with Tom Brady coming back, I think is a big deal. Last year, Leonard Fournette was the RB4 in points per game for the Buccaneers because Tom Brady loved to check down to Leonard Fournette. We've seen him catch passes in the past for the Jaguars, and it not looked so great. But on this team for the Buccaneers, it was looking very good. Now, I've already moved him up a little bit. He's my RB19 right now, though that's not including the rookies. I really think there's an argument to be made for him to be even a little bit higher than that because 
if you're looking at two-year windows for your running backs, if you're competing, right? It's hard to pick that many more people than or people over him that have a better two-year window. He's got Brady for this year for sure, and we know what that looks like. At least we think we know what that looks like. It was really good last year. If Brady does come back even the year after that, it's going to be more of the same. And if he doesn't, we do know that he's still in that offense, and there's a lot of weapons there. It could still be a good offense. What do you think? Yeah, I think well, I mean with Leonard Fournette with with Tom Brady, there's there's always a safe floor there, just with how many receptions he's going to have. He, he's he's done that almost his entire career, where he doesn't seem like the best pass catcher, and then he just seemingly gets the targets anyway, whether they're productive or not. Catches for fantasy are extremely valuable, and a guy who can get you you know fifty to hundred in one season is 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 rare to come by. I mean, in your in your redraft drafts next year, Leonard Fournette could be going in the second round of people's drafts right so to put that into perspective when you're looking at running backs where you can't really bank all too much past two years and there's a lot of you know it's it's an aging landscape in the league right now there's a lot of the elite backs around that same age um i i think there 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 could be an argument to take him a little higher he is 27 brady you don't know where brady's going to be at uh next year but for dynasty if you have startup scoring right now Leonard Fournette, just like James Conner, are two guys where I'm I'm absolutely tired of them. If you punt running back early and you just grab all the wide receivers you can, and then between rounds uh, eight to ten, you pick up Leonard Fournette and James Conner, you're going to be in a really good spot. So I think both those yeah. guys are going to be uh, fringe running back ones next year, and uh, there's there's value for that, even if it's just for one or two seasons. You know, as we said for running backs, that's about as much as you can plan for right you're just concerned with that small window for your running back so you try and get them when you're prepared to win or try to go for a win and those are two guys that are really poised to help your teams that you could possibly be had get them be had on the cheap yeah i mean they're they're two players who have um the same history of production as some of these premier backs like Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara, like they're not completely far off those two from a production standpoint, and their ages are very similar. Yet mm-hmm. their their perception in the market is completely off because both right. Leonard Fournette and James Conner points in the career, it was in the dynasty landscape, were left for dead. You know, they were able you could pick them up for a late second and early third, and you know people haven't quite put them into the same bracket where you could. You could make an argument that they're not significantly wor- worth con- con- worse assets, you know, <laughs> than those guys, and they're marketed almost uh, a future first round pick less than those guys. So if you right. are going to fade on those guys, pass on those guys early, uh, they're they're great late targets. Um, if you're a winning team and you have a couple mid to early first, or, sorry, mid to early second round picks. I mean, I might go around and shop for one of those guys. Anything from like the 201, the 201, 202, you know, like the 205, 206, I'd go see if the manager would be interested in moving one of those guys. They might be looking to reset the clock. Whereas if you're looking to insert a running back into your lineup, those could be the guys, right? If you did what we right. always preach and move a lot of your elite running backs early in the offseason, right? If, the, if in the playoffs last year you moved Aaron Jones, uh, Dalvin Cook to a manager who's trying to go to win, and then this year you're looking to reset the clock. You don't have running backs in your roster. You're trying to figure out how you're going to fill that position. I mean, Fournette and Connor, those are the two guys you could go chase after. I mean, they could, they might be more have a higher impact in your lineup right away than guys like Rashad White, Zamir White, 
George Pickens, who are you're getting? Those are the plays you're getting at the early second round. Yeah, they're just a couple great examples of their production value outweighs their market value, and they're players that you can go get when that's something you want. A few lesser names signing. We got the Bills signing Jamison Crowder to a one-year deal, which maybe this just kind of hurts Isaiah McKenzie. Hope that that was a little bit happening there, but I'm not sure that we have much care for it otherwise. Do you agree there? Yeah, um, I'm. I mean, I'm certainly rostering Jameson Crowder. I mean, he's five years younger than Cole Beasley, and he'll probably slide right into that same exact role. He'll definitely have games where he has some flex appeal, and if you're picking him up, yeah, for essentially nothing, he's he's the kind of guy I could see as an, an, a throw on to a trade that doesn't really change it one way or the other. Uh, definitely interested in having Jameson Crowder. He's always a player I've liked, especially in PPR formats. Yeah. He's only he's 28 years old. He seems like he's 37. Um, so yeah, it just, yeah. Crushes Isaiah McKenzie. He's pretty much got zero, zero value now. I mean, he'll pop up here, there an injury. He's, he's a dynamic player who might come in. I don't see him having a whole lot of value, especially not more than Jameson Crowder. Yeah. The Eagles signed Zach Pascal. I'm not sure this one even hits the radar for me there. Yeah. He's going to take away two touchdowns from Devontae Smith and that team's only going to pass for 10. So it's <laughs> That's true. Like, so Pascal coming in, if anything for me, it just, it's going to be annoying. I mean, it's what he was in Indy. I just feel like whenever he popped up, you weren't happy about it because no one was playing Pascal. And if you did, yeah. he wasn't going to do anything that week. He's, he's like, he's a sound player who can, right. who's useful in a couple of different positions uh, for wide receivers. He can be used in a couple of different ways. He's a nice little piece to have in real football, but for dynasty, he's just a menace. Yeah, I actually like Zach Pascal, the player. He's had some weeks, you know, where he, you know, he showed up. But you're right, he, as a asset for your team, he's not really doing much for you. Yeah, I like him in real football too. He's fine. It's a good, it's a good addition for them. Yeah, the Falcons signed Auden Tate to a one-year deal, and the only reason why this could be relevant is because he may be the best wide receiver on their roster currently. <laughs> That's what great. Do you think? Go, <laughs> go put a dollar fab on him. You can cut uh, Isaiah McKenzie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really much of a chance that he's productive for this team. Uh, you have to imagine that they're going to be adding a lot to that room before the season the, starts. The Falcons have a, the eighth pick, the 43rd pick, and the 58th pick in this draft, and they should spend at least two of those on wide receivers. Yeah, you got you to gotta put something into that room. Next, we got the Raiders signing Demarcus Robinson. Another one that probably actually means nothing, but may be good for their team. Uh, yeah, but for us, not much going on. Yeah, he was just the uh, the Pascal of the the Chiefs, the guy you never played. Right, but like he'd pop up and catch a touchdown only like three times a year, but it felt like thirty seven because you're hoping for the McCole Hardman you put in your lineup to get it, and you're like Demarcus, really? So he's yeah. he's the um, he's the Zay Jones replacement the kind of the third, fourth option who will pop up from time to time. He's probably a better player than Brian Edwards. Ooh, that's, that's unfortunate. That might be an unfortunate truth for a lot of people out there. <laughs> Both of them are nothing for fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Now that's what we have for free agency signings, but I wanted to ask you a question because we've got a couple quarterbacks that there's been a lot of trade rumors with, but nothing's really happening and they're, we're waiting and waiting, waiting for this to happen because we want to know if, we're, if they're going to be usable for fantasy this coming year. But we've got Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield, right? Jimmy G presumed to be traded as soon as the season ended, 
assume, we're all assuming that Trey Lance is going to be the guy this year. I mean, the 49ers even really have all but said we're trading him and Trey Lance is going to be the guy, but no deal so far. Baker Mayfield, the Browns brought in Deshaun Watson. Baker's asking for a trade. At first, the Browns said we're not, they're not looking to trade him, but I believe they are now actually trying to get something to happen, but it looks like teams aren't willing to take on his money, which is something we had talked about. Uh, I believe the report now is teams are saying we're interested in Baker, but we're just going to wait till you have to release him and then we'll sign him for whatever we want. I think the only way the Browns actually are able to trade him at this point is if they're willing to take on the contract as part of the trade or do one of the Brock Osweiler deal that the Browns did actually did in the past where they send a pick with Baker for someone to take the contract is what it's sounding like. It's the possibility. So let's talk about these. Jimmy G, what do you think happens here? Yeah, Jimmy G is a tough one. If you're a Trey Lance owner, you're probably holding your breath. You're waiting for the day he's just out of your hair. <laughs> you want him gone yesterday. Yeah. Um, if I don't have Trey Lance, and there's there's a non-zero chance that Jimmy G, they just end up keeping him, and he might start week one, and they might roll the dice with him again and just give him a shorter leash than last year. Um, if you if you have Lance, you certainly don't want that to happen. If you don't have Lance and that does happen, uh, maybe you're going to the manager who's expecting, okay, this is the year I'm turning it up with Lance as my QB one or my QB two. Maybe that's your, your window to go get Trey Lance. Who's seemingly been uh, almost uh, too much to buy at any point in his career. Um, If he does get moved, we're running out of spots for him. I understand the Niners being patient because, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a guy like that other than to keep on his, his contract, which is uh, like 18, 20 million, something around there. Um, But they're, they're running out of spots. I don't see with Pittsburgh bringing in Trubisky with Atlanta, bringing in Mariota with Houston uh, deciding that they want to see what Mills is for a stopgap, And with Detroit probably doing the same thing with Jared Goff that leaves what Seattle or Carolina. I just don't see I these other teams it, yeah. who I don't see these other teams that have these kind of like one to two year stop gaps while they figure it out. Um, I don't, I don't see them making a move for, for Jimmy G at this point. So it's, I guess Seattle and Carolina, Carolina makes a lot of sense, but they, they just took on Darnold's big contract last year. Um, I don't know how willing they're going to be to take on that contract. So I think it's probably a situation where the night or where the Niners, um, they'd have to work something out, you know, as far as for the yeah. money, maybe they just, they go past the draft and they bring in Jimmy. Uh, they just extended DJ Moore. I think they, from bringing in Cam Newton at the end of last year, they're probably done with the Donald experiment. They have the sixth pick in this draft. If Carolina does not take a quarterback, uh, with that pick, then I would be eyeing Jimmy G, uh, there is probably the most likely landing spot. Uh, maybe Seattle, if, if they're trying to bring in a serviceable stopgap because they don't think that Drew Locke is that to maybe persuade a guy like DK Metcalf to take an extension, then maybe they look there, but they have the ninth pick in this draft. So they might also be waiting till after the draft to see if maybe a player that they like slides past uh, Carolina or Atlanta. So that's, yeah. And, and you know, I I think I'd be really surprised if Jimmy G did make his way to Seattle just because it's, you know, inside the same division. Uh, So you know, teams tend to not want to do that. Uh, so I guess I'd be surprised. I would I would say Carolina is probably the most likely spot for Jimmy G if he is going to get traded. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, moving on to Baker. What do, what do you make of this situation? It's 
the contract is weirdly similar. I think there might be more teams that would be willing to take on Baker and have him compete with those stop gaps if he becomes available. I just don't think that they want to take on the money. It's exactly what you yeah. said. Cleveland's probably going to have to either have to send a pick with them or they're just going to have to eat you know, a certain percentage of that contract. Uh, I could see all the teams that I just mentioned, you know, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Carolina, uh, New Orleans, probably not Detroit or Houston, but I could see any of those five teams, those other five teams I mentioned picking up Baker. If it was for nothing to at least come in and compete because worst case Ontario, they, they, he comes in, they're not impressed. They let him walk next season. If they got paid a pick to take it for one year and it's not the end of the world. Um, but I don't think it's any of those teams first options and certainly not if they have to take on the contract. So that's probably where Baker sits. Yeah, I would, I would like to see Baker find his way to Seattle. I think he could be a good fit with uh Lockett and Metcalf out there. I also think it would be good for Metcalf. Like you said about, they're going to want to try if they want to try and, you know, res or extend DK Metcalf, they got to show some, effort towards doing so right i think baker could could do that yeah it's baker's name has been dragged through the mud though i mean the league it, loves, it really has the league, the league loves obj like the players love obj they all back obj and when it came out with you know the footage from obj's father and all that all that drama that circled around baker i think a lot of players and guys i'm not speaking for dk i don't know him personally but a lot of players i i saw them you know express um their feelings towards OBJ and their support for him where telling me, Oh, but we're, we're bringing Baker in. We're bringing you a quarterback. Mm -hmm. that might not sure. get the back. I don't want to be OBJ. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know if that persuades DK necessarily to stay uh, from an opportunity standpoint. I agree that it's not the worst spot. The problem with Seattle is just the line is atrocious. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's the spot for a quarterback to come in to succeed. I think it might be the spot for them to come in, um, get ruined, and then they can justify, you know, a move in the draft either next year or make a move for a different quarterback when there's someone that they like become available. Because I don't, I don't know what they were doing. They, they didn't appreciate Russell Wilson all those years to to get in support him. Same thing with like Houston, yeah, with Deshaun. They saw how mobile this guy was. They saw how he can make something out of nothing. And I don't think they prioritized the line the same way that other people should. And now without Russ, who gets himself out of those messes, Baker does not have that. He, right. he doesn't have that. When he's he had thinks pressure, he does, but he doesn't. <laughs> uh, when he's got had stretches where he saw a lot of pressure, he started to get really frantic. He started just immediately roll to his right and throw the ball yeah. as quick as he could. Like the, the guy has had points in his career where he was scared of getting hit because he, I mean, it, it, he was getting hit every other play. Yeah. And in Seattle, I, I'd be scared for Baker not being able to really true. mentally recover or uh, put it together point. in the way that we want him to. Uh, the thing for Baker for Dynasty, I'm not talking real football, is uh, his value in startup drafts is is like out the window. Like yeah, you're picking gone. him up, you're picking him up in the uh, like 13th, 14th round of your startups. And I know we don't like to accept failure with every player but starting quarterbacks are a little different right if if the second baker becomes a starter somewhere his value in the market is more than a 13th pick right that's yeah. where you're that's where players like um 
James Cook, Devin Singletary are going to be going. That's where receivers like um, Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, uh, Corey Davis are going to be going. Yeah. I mean, the second, if you have a starting quarterback, right, in the NFL on your dynasty team, you're going to be able to trade them for more than um, Corey Davis. And Baker will be a starter at some point in his career again. For how long? Right. For how well? I don't know. But at that point, there's going to be someone in your league who needs a quarterback and they're going to ship you, um, you know, a wide receiver three for him, which is, you know, three or four rounds positive ROI on Baker, whether he's inserted into your lineup or not. So he is somebody that I am eyeing. If you can pick him up for a late second, mid to late second round pick, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm making that move every time because that pick's going to be what Carson Strong, who you're hoping maybe gets picked up with like one of those second round picks for Atlanta and he gets to compete. Just, just give me Baker over that. Right. I think his, his likelihood of starting might be greater than a player like Carson strong or Desmond Ritter, who probably isn't even available at that late second. Yeah. I like the idea of speculating on Baker with a late pick like that. You know, he may end up having to sit a year out before he finds himself a starting job, but you know, we've just seen this with Trubisky and Mariota getting jobs again and instantly, uh, Upstart value. Exactly. And they're all kind of in the same boat where they're they're players who, for whatever reason, showed some flashes but didn't quite put it all together and they were top draft picks. He'll he'll get another chance to start. Um, so a little a little patience. I think now is the time to go get them, maybe a little on the cheap cheap. There you go. That's gonna wrap it up for today. Thank you everybody for joining us. You can find Skyler on Twitter at BFFBuffalo. You can find me at YB underscore FF. You can find JWB at JWB underscore FF. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow everywhere. Find all of our content at JWBFantasyFootball.com. We'll see you next time.